Today on the podcast, we're going to meet a good friend of mine and a missionary to China. His name is Kenny. We're going to discuss what it's like to grow up and raise a family in China, in a communist country, and we're also going to talk about the state of the church in China, both the underground and the expat church, which is what he ministers to, and the future of the church going forward, and even some impressions of what he sees in the church in America after being gone for nearly 10 years. So uh, sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of All Out War. I am your faithful host, Turner, and I am joined in the studio with Steven. What's up, Rosie? Hey, what's up? And Cody. What's going on, Cody? Hey. You doing good? Um, yeah. Yeah. Doing real good. You're doing good. <laughs> your beard looks good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Hey, listen, we have a great show. This is a special podcast. We have a guest that came in all the way from a foreign country, all the way from China, believe it or not. China. China. And uh, I want to introduce everybody to my great friend, Kenny. Kenny, say hi to everybody. What's up? <laughs> and Kenny is, What's up, Kenny? Kenny is working in uh, China as a missionary, and uh, he is just doing some cool stuff, and I'm going to let him share about that in a minute. Uh, but before we do that, I just wanted to just share that uh, I've known him for a really long time. I met him when he was a college student at Patrick Henry College. And uh, he was coming in as I was a youth pastor, and he was leading worship on Sunday mornings uh, and just leading these kids in worship. And uh, he was one of the most energetic guys that I knew at that time. He, was, he would come in on a Sunday morning, and, and he was like the energizer bunny. And uh, it, was, it was just really cool to get to meet him and know him. And, uh, and I was just assuming that, uh, that he was going to be famous one day, and I was going <laughs> to be able to say, I know that guy. Well, now I'm on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hear your own yeah, prophecy. So say hi to my mom, because that's who listens. Hi, mom. <laughs> that's it. And maybe Cody's mom listens. But uh, no, no. Steven, do you have anybody that listens? No. No. Yeah, me either. So <laughs> so we're, this is just for us. This is all posterity. But uh, anyways, hey, uh, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing overseas and uh, what God's got you up to. Sweet. Okay. Well, first I got to say, like when I was in college, Turner was like really a mentor to me, um, like one of the more influential people in my life. So, and he gave me a car, which definitely makes awesome. you an influential person in my life. So, you know. He hung out with me for my money. No, actually, it's a funny story. I, he would pick me up and bring me to church every Sunday early because I got to be there for a worship practice. And then um, one day he's like, you know what, Kenny? I'm so sick of picking you up early. I'm giving you my car. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, I'm living in China now. And, um, so a little of my story, I actually moved to China when I was 16. My dad got transferred there for his work. And uh, when I first moved there, I landed, ended in a, I landed in a youth group for foreign kids. So um, kids in the youth group from all over the world, all the different continents and stuff like that. Really changed my life. And then after college, I went back. And through long story short, um, I started leading the youth group. And so now I'm a youth pastor for a youth group there. And we got kids from everywhere. We have people from like, you know, the Bahamas and Europe and Africa and everywhere. So, so your your uh, your main ministry is, is gonna be dealing with these what they call them expats. Mm-hmm. But so if you're listening, you don't know what an expat is, that's somebody who's not from the country that's living there for a long a long term in a long term duration and uh, they would be calling it home for a certain amount of time. And so it'd be people that are like, you know, working executives for factories. I remember when I came out there to hang out with you a couple years ago, I met um, this one guy, I forget his name, but his dad was like the vice president of Bosch, you know, <laughs> for America, you know, like, but for, I guess for the whole, you know, the whole Asian side of things or whatever. But uh, so that, that's what, that's what you mean by expats then. Is, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. So we got a, we got a big group, like wide swath of people who like English teachers making nothing and their kids come. We got like people who are CEOs and their kids come. We got diplomats, kids, other people who are there really intentionally um, serving the Lord there and their kids come. Um, And so, yeah, a lot of different backgrounds, pretty diverse, not only in um, like passport country or ethnicity, but also in socioeconomic kind of background as well. Okay, that's cool. What what are you doing? What's the primary focus on your ministry right now then? So can you... So like, well, so yeah, so we have a youth group, we meet. Um, we also have like a um, 
like a kind of a discipleship program that we do with a smaller group of kids who help serve in the youth group and stuff like that. And then uh, we run retreats a couple times a year and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, but the context that these kids are coming from is just really insane. It's really insane. I had come some kids in my youth group who had lived in the Middle East and had a bunch of their friends shot by the Taliban. Mm. We had wow. like other kids um, who, one kid who's who basically kind of was abandoned by his parents, told to go live with his sister who was a college student there, and he's in our youth group. And yeah, so just a lot of different contexts. So, so uh, when you, what do you find as a challenge to minister to? These kids. So, you, say you got a group of kids, and you got some that are coming from like Australia, and some are coming from Europe, and some are American, and some are even you know Asian, and so you've got all these. It's kind of a little, truly a melting pot. Mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges that you guys face to really bring, and what are some of the methods you use to kind of move them in the direction that you feel like the Lord wants them to be? Yeah. So um, this is kind of ironic, but. Um, you're a TCK, so you you get this. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that like when you are all foreigners and you're having that common foreign experience, it makes you come together super fast. It's it's kind of ironic, but actually, a lot of my students when they go back to their home countries, they have trouble connecting with other people because it was so easy in our context to just oh yeah, you know, I had that same experience where I tried to say lettuce and I said wig instead or whatever, you know, like, you know, or like was trying to ask a question and I instead like asked to kiss a person, you know, or like everyone has that same, or I tried to learn Chinese or whatever. Yeah. Actually in Chinese it's a tonal language. So if you say wen, it means to ask. If you say wen, it means to kiss mm. or smell. Hmm. So yeah. yeah it's How is your Chinese coming, by the way? My Chinese is all right. Yeah? You want me to say something? Yeah, do it. What do you want me to say? I don't know. Say welcome to the All Out War podcast. I don't know how to say All oh, Out War. Oh, come on. Now you said it was coming along. podcast. This podcast called All Out War. There we go. Maybe that's how you say it. Okay. okay. <laughs> you could have totally I made got, all of that up. In tongues, right? That's all. <laughs> I would have never yeah. known, man. Don't even know. It sounds like my tongue language, actually. Yeah. That was pretty good. So, but I, I guess I would say challenges that we face. Um, I would say, you know, it is true that the we have a pretty wide gap on social economic stuff. Yeah. So sometimes that runs into an issue when you're like, hey, let's have this event, and you know, somebody it's pocket change, and somebody else it's like. Like, I actually had, this is crazy, I had one of my adult helpers, I didn't find out about this till later, but he was eating rice and eggs throughout the whole week to save money so he could blow his entire food budget to go out to eat with our with our youth group. Oh, wow. I found out about it later, and I was like, what the heck? Like, I have budget for that. <laughs> you know, I'll pay for your meal for you to come and serve these kids. But, but that's wow. the experience of some people there while, you know, the... You know, someone who's like a VP of a multinational, you know, right corporation. Their kids coming as well. So yeah, they have a driver take them to the yeah, youth yeah. group and yeah, and drop them off. So yeah. I think that's one of the biggest. And then the other big thing is, pretty much all of them go to international schools, and the international schools there are extremely. Um, they have very strong liberal ideology, and it's very humanistic. Very, it's very similar to the Ivy League schools here in America. Yeah, yeah. And so um, Christians can feel really embattled in a lot of their classes. And uh, yeah, you should speak to this if you have any of the same experience. And yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. And and also they feel like if they stand up for a lot of things that Christianity says, that they're very much a a bigot or or a hater or something like that. Yeah. So um, I think a lot of what and you know what we were talking about before the show. I think a lot of this being able to express God's truth in a winsome way, in a way that like that communicates love and and and, and God's heart for the world is something that um, we wrestle with as a group and try to try to learn to do because it's they they can feel pretty embattled sometimes. Yeah. So, so let me ask you a question. Um, when this is just something that just popped in my head right now when you were talking. What is your interaction with the national list that are there, and and what what are your 
what are you allowed to and not allowed to do? Um, like if, like for instance, could you take a short term missions trip in China to help out people, but maybe not necessarily with the emphasis of verbally preaching the gospel? Can you do things like that? So, um, well, first off, there's a lot of misconceptions about China, which yeah. I could talk about. That's, well, too. that's actually that yeah. going to be my next question. So, um, I mean, okay, so, you know, the news stories you hear in, so let me use this as an example. Mo- almost all my Chinese friends, they're like, can you go out at night in America? Like, can you walk <laughs> on the street? Are you going to get shot? Right? They, they don't think it's safe? They or? think it's not safe. Because yeah. yeah. their view of America is that gun violence is con- constantly happening. Yeah. Right? Depends where you are, right? Chicago, right? Is that there are thing. sections of, say, some cities, but not the entirety of all cities or even most cities, right? Sure, right. Yeah. But there are sections where that is something you need to be aware of. But it's not happening all the time. The way America looks at China is that like human rights violations are like that. Can you like, you know, I've, I, I, <laughs> can you wear a shirt? That, what if you have a cross on your neck? I see Chinese people wearing crosses, necklaces all the time. They don't have a clue what it means, right. but they just wear it because it looks pretty, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's, uh-huh. it's not like that. And actually, um, this may blow some people's brains, but there are a ton of underground churches where they are regularly talking to the police and just telling them everything they do. And the police are like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, let's just keep our relationship cool. Hmm. You know? Even though it's, like, le- illegal, they're like, okay, you know, like, what are you, what are you guys doing? You doing that? Okay, just, just stay there where you're cool, you know? And they have that relationship, and they work, and they work it out, and it's cool. Um, the thing is, it's, it is a dictatorship, so things can change really quickly. Which, again, you know, actually, it's funny. Living in China, you, you, I'm going to sound like a horrible American, but you appreciate the safety that comes from a dictatorship. <laughs> like, like literally, kids in my youth group, 11-year-old girls, will go home on the subway at night, no problem. Yeah, that's, that, that would never happen here. No, it never happened yeah, here, right? right? But yeah. there, you know, no problem, because if, if you mess with that girl, you, <laughs> people don't see you again, right? You know, or whatever, right? Yeah. Or, and then also, like, you know, I remember Katie, my wife, was telling me that, like, New York City, they're trying to put in a subway for like ten years. Or is that is that train to the airport finally up? Oh, the metro. I know they were building it. For oh, like here, twenty five years or something. It'll crazy. be here. It's in Loudon. Oh my gosh, it's not even here it, yet. It made it. To, it okay. made it to the eastern part of Get Loudon. This. In 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 Shanghai, right before the World Expo, they put like five subway lines in in like six months. <laughs> yeah. And they're probably bullet trained too, right? Like they're super well, they, fast. They, well, they, 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 they did the whole country in bullet trains in like maybe two years, three years. Yeah. And yeah. our metro kept breaking down yeah. in D.C., just well, from D.C. to and D.C. And the reason is yeah. if, you, if you have a government that, that where just whatever they say goes, it's really easy. To yeah, where they force done. it, yeah. yeah. And, and the labor is pretty cheap when you're forced to work there, right? Well, you know, people aren't really forced. There, yeah. there is a, there's people who need jobs, like, you know. So, yeah. so anyway. And um, they're willing to take working on a subway? Yeah. I well, guess that's a, how much do you get paid, though? What's it, like six cents an hour? Come on. Well, I don't know. I don't I'm know. I'm not trying to be, I'm not yeah. trying to be. I mean, there's you know, a lot of other, right. yeah. There's a lot of we, you know. The there's this is a whole other issue that I don't know a lot about. But there's this whole it's fascinating. If any of you are listeners want to check it out, it's, a, it's called the floating population of China, mm-hmm. and it's these migrant workers who um, don't really have a legal status. They're kind of like illegal immigrants in the states, and they just go. They build all the skyscrapers, all the subways. They build wow. all of that, and they don't get paid very much. But the difference between cost of living in Shanghai and or Beijing or Nanjing or any of these big cities and the home countries that they're from is so vast that if they save, like, pennies and send it home, it makes a huge difference. That's exactly what's going on with here in the yeah. United States. Exactly. They're sending majority of the money home right. because right. the dollar's so strong. Yeah. So, but to get back to what, what it's like in China, so for me, I don't do much, with, I don't do anything with the Chinese church at all. Okay. Um, and that's, the, the way the legal situation works there is, um, you can't do one or the other. Yeah. And and if you're just doing foreigners like I am, then um, you just don't. It's fine, and they don't mess with you, and you don't mess with them, and it's it's cool. Yeah. Um. So, so that's what I do. So I can't speak as much to the Chinese church, but I do have some friends who okay. are in it. Um, what do you th- What would you say if you could grade it on a health, like 
Because here's what yeah. uh, our perspective, what I keep hearing is, oh, there's 300 million underground Christians, you know, in China, and we're just waiting for them to emerge, and they're going to become an entire nation. You know, that mm-hmm. literally the, the population of the United States could be underground Christian. Is that is that is there truth to that? Is there? So, I mean, China's a huge country. Right. You know, if you landed in Topeka, Kansas, and someone asked you about the American church, you'd be like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, that's, so from my experience, I, I, I don't know if I can fully speak to that. Yeah. Okay. But, um, but I would say this funny story. I was talking with a friend um, who is now a U.S. citizen, but grew up in China and is much more Chinese than American. And um, I was telling her, you know, in America, when they hear the Chinese church, they think of you guys as like, you know, amazing, on fire, passionate. And she's like, what? <laughs> oh, we always think of the American church as like the healthy church. And we, should, we need to be like the American church. <laughs> and kind of from my perspective as someone who, as an American who lives there, yeah. um, I would say the strengths and weaknesses are different on both sides. Um, it, like we were talking about this for the show. In America, there's so much good biblical teaching. There's a lot of bad heretical teaching as well. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there's, so, there's such a... If you want to get good biblical teaching, it's easy. It's so easy, and there's so much of it. And um, where in China, that's, it's a lot harder. It's really difficult to get. Hmm. Um, but then, say, in China, imagine. most people there are super passionate, right? And... Where in America, that's definitely a weakness. I come back sometimes, I'm talking to people, I'm like, come on, care about Jesus, you know? <laughs> you just care, he's so good, you know? Um, where they're like, yeah, you know? So there's strengths on both sides. And um, I think probably the most exciting thing that's happening in the Chinese church is the amount of missionaries that they are sending out, especially to the Middle East. I don't know if you've heard of the Back to Jerusalem movement or things like that. Um, you haven't? Okay, well, I'll no. give you a brief yeah. thing. Um so I don't remember where this is from, but there is some prophecy somewhere somebody gave that was just basically, you know, how the gospel began in Israel, spread to Africa and Europe, then went from Europe to America, and then from America and Europe to China. And for the gospel to make a full, like, circumference of the world, it needs to go back through the 1040 window to Jerusalem. Hmm. And the Chinese church, much of the Chinese church has taken on this as their call back to Jerusalem. We will carry the gospel back to Jerusalem. That's cool. And what's amazing about it is that most of the Western white missionaries can't go to any of these countries Mm -hmm. in the 1040 window, but Chinese people can. Yeah. Chinese people can get visas into Iran. They can get, they can go to all these other places that white people can't go and they're accepted in ways that white people aren't. Yeah, well. that's right. So God's using them in different countries. I, um, my sister-in-law is with a couple of Chinese missionaries in Lebanon right now, working together with them with Syrian refugees and stuff like that. So wow. it's pretty amazing. So what would you say like the greatest need is? They need theological training to, so that they can be more effective missionaries. Like what's the what's the big need for that? Yeah. Um, or do you even know? To be honest, I I, I, yeah. I don't feel like I can really. It's probably very hard to put a... Yeah. yeah. Um, What do they... Like, how does the... Do you know how the underground church... Like, how do they have underground Bible colleges and things like that that are happening, or...? um, Yeah, I think so. I know know there's one... There's a city called Wenzhou, which is known as kind of like the Christian capital of China. Oh, Um, really? Yeah, it's where a lot of Chinese missionaries go to get trained before they're sent out and stuff like that. Cool. So, um, yeah, um, but honestly, I, okay. I'm just not plugged in to right, that so whole world. And, and that's kind of intentional because yeah, for me and kind of what God's called me to do, um, I can kind of either do the expats, do the other foreigners, or I can do the locals, but I can't really do both um, without getting kicked out. <laughs> right, so so, so I've kind of been like, oh, what do you want me to do? And I feel like God's... So how, do you, how would you work with the nationalists that are locals um, in a legal way? As a missionary, uh, well, there's an illegal way. Oh, okay, so but you just, yeah, you work around stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I you gotcha. can't mix it. Gotcha. Yeah, isn't that that's weird? Yeah. So let me ask you a question. So you've been you've been how long have you been in China now? How many years? Like ten, right? Two thousand, about eleven years, 11 off years. and on. I first moved in two thousand two. Okay, sixteen, but then 
back and forth, so about 11 years. So you've been over there ministering, and you've been back in the States here and there, um, probably not as much as you'd want, but what your your view, or maybe not, maybe... You really, to be honest, I love it there. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good it's thing. home now. Yeah. That's cool. No offense. Well, I love America. No, that's great. Actually, that's probably the best thing that they could have, yeah. is that you look at that as home, yeah. you know, but... But uh, in your view, looking back, because now I want I want your opinion on back on the states. Looking yeah. at your interactions with the church here, what would you view? How would you view, view the health of the church here in the states right now in comparison over time, just since you left and now a different perspective? Yeah, my perspective on America definitely changed. I mean, you just jump in here too, just being a TCAK too. You know, your perspective changes. Well, let me, a but, TCK, yeah. we keep Sorry, saying yeah. that. <laughs> people that are listening don't know, that's, that's a third culture kid. And it's basically, explain what a third culture kid is, because I don't think everyone knows that's yeah. listening. I can, I mean, I work with TCKs for my, my youth group is a TCK but define, youth group. So define, I'll define that. Yeah, yeah, it's third culture kid. So basically the idea is uh, parents are one culture. And then they live in a second culture, and the kid grows up in the second culture. And so what happens for many of these kids who grow up like that is, you know, like if you're American parents growing up in, say, China, you probably celebrate Christmas, but you probably don't get a turkey because it's kind of hard to get a turkey there. Oh, gotcha. You know, and then like, so um, so maybe you graduate and you go to college, but when you go back to America, you don't know how to drive a car, you don't know how to pump gas, you don't get American <laughs> jokes, like, you know, but yet... In China, you're a foreigner too, but you're so, not really Chinese and you're not really American. You're yeah. a third culture. Yeah, you don't like. I guess to jump in for a minute, like it was weird. Like in the we lived in the Philippines, and yeah, we used to go to the beach for Christmas. That was like our Christmas tradition. We never I would, had. I would gr- love that man. Green trees or anything like yeah, no evergreen <laughs> trees. Um, but yeah, it was weird adjusting because I didn't like just for me because well, I lived both in Europe and. Asia, so it was kind of weird because I picked up things growing up with my European friends that lived in Europe and my European friends that lived in Asia and then my Asian <laughs> friends that lived in Europe. Yeah, and right. <laughs> all vice versa. And when I came back to the States, like, I didn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> Some of my schooling was so different. Yeah. There and was, I, I think a common experience for third culture kids is you come back to your home culture and there's all these cultural expectations, but you're so lost. Yeah. And it can be really difficult. That's the hardest part. So you probably feel... You come back to your home country. You and feel like, like... You feel like you have no roots. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's part home? of it. I think yeah. for me, I came back and I'm like buying stuff at the grocery store. And I'm like, do I look the, the cashier in the eye? Like, am I flirting if I do that? Or like, <laughs> oh, do I say thank you? Or do I not? Or do I ask how they're doing? Oh, man, uh, where, do I put, where do I put my hands? Like, I remember feeling, <laughs> I don't know if you had this experience too, but I felt that because in, in China, I'm the foreigner. So whatever I do is weird. And like, I'm like, yeah, so yeah you, I'm weird. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They think I'm flirting. They know I'm a foreigner. They know I don't know the, what the heck's going on. They're cool with it. But then I come back here and there's all these expectations on how I act. So anyway. Okay, so as a as a as a third culture kid, yeah. But but looking back, looking into the states on the church yeah. in the states, yeah. to, like a, a health assessment. What mm. do you? What are the things that are sticking out to you, standing out to you in a good way and in a bad way? Mm. Well, I think that um, to be honest, it's it's easy for um, Americans, Americans in general, but people, maybe Americans in the church to be kind of myopic in thinking that America is the world. Um, and I, and I, and wait, be, wait, we're not, no, wait, what? You're, you're not, you know, you know, like, um, you know, the world series when you like win at baseball, there's a lot of other countries <laughs> besides Canada and America, actually, you know, Mexico, but did they win the world series? <laughs> well, they might. Did you? <laughs> no, anyway, yeah. You know, so like, Put a team um, together. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Let's, let's make it happen. And also there's a lot, I think there's a lot of, um, um, there's a lot of just like cultural assumptions that are there that, um, that are, that when you interact with the rest of the world um, can hinder the gospel or loving people. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one, but I, I wouldn't say that's the biggest thing. I think the, the bigger things is um, there's issues with cultural Christianity, with people who have been so Im- 
imbibed in the culture that some of the wonder has been lost, some of the passion for it has been lost. Sometimes I see people in the States who study scripture and they know scripture really well, but they don't like the truths don't move them anymore. And that like that that kind of worries me. Mm-hmm. Um or or people are sometimes more interested in talking about figuring out like, oh, you know, like oh, what viewpoint are you? What viewpoint are you on this part of scripture rather than just like like wondering and 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 and, and delighting in the, the the truth of what God has for us. Um so I think that's that's one and I think um I think yeah do you think that the affluence yeah. of the American church is misguided? Okay, so I thought a lot about wealth um, yeah. because in Shanghai I see such crazy poverty and such unbelievable wealth mm-hmm. often in my youth group, right? And I come back and, um, to be honest, when I come back and people talk about how like, oh, you know, um, you know, people are in America are suffering, I'm like, oh, like... <laughs> when you can't get an iPhone, that's, that's not suffering. You know, like if you don't have cell service, like if you don't have a cell phone, I mean, that's rough. It's hard to live in this world without a cell phone, but that's not like suffering, you know? Right. Or yeah. You know, so I think there is some of that, that is hard. Um, but one thing I've thought about wealth is, um, I, I believe that God has given the American church wealth. And I think that, God has called the American church to use that wealth for the kingdom. And, um, and the American church has done that. I'm not going to say they've done it as much as they should, or maybe that they don't need to do more, but the American church has funded so much missions and, and, um, like mercy missions and stuff like that. And I'm really proud. In fact, being in China and speaking with other people from other countries, I'm really proud of, what my country has done when it comes to generosity. Um, that said, I think it's kind of expected of us because of what the, how the Lord has blessed our country. Yeah. Um, but yes, I definitely think that um, it can be really easy in America to um, take things for granted. Now, there's a lot of things I don't take for granted anymore. Like, for instance, toilet paper. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love thick American toilet paper. <laughs> Three ply. There's one. Oh I never thought I'd hear that. <laughs> you could put that as the tagline at the front of the front of the podcast. I will. I love American toilet paper. Find out what kind of toilet paper Kenny likes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one question I might have is that you've seen, you said you weren't really involved, but you've seen um, China and the church, both the, I guess the, the official church, mm-hmm. the underground church, um, an interesting thing that I came across a couple of uh, days ago, I'll get the reference maybe later, I can't remember where it was from, but when um, when the Russians had the revolution in 1917 and they brought in formal communism, socialist communism, um, they were able to dismantle the church because of the Eastern Orthodoxy church was established mm-hmm. through the priesthood and that was the enshrined representation of what it meant to be a Christian, you right. went to the priest, much yeah. like the Roman Catholic Church. And so, when the Russians took over, uh, the communists took over. They dismantled all of the buildings. They turned them into basically secular places, and they took God out and they dismantled it from that um, angle. And they were able to basically take control mm-hmm. of more people. Um, some basically saying God's dead. Yeah. Look, the priesthood's gone. There's no physical place for you to go to meet this fake God. He's gone. And then when the revolution happened in the Civil War in China, the um, Chinese Communist Party that came to power, they did almost a similar thing where they took yeah. the churches. But what happened was, prior to that, the, the body of Christ in China knew how to disciple. Like, they made disciples who loved Jesus. And mm-hmm. there was a, an ability that the, the church did not physically equal a building. The church was the people. So there's a sustainability well, there. Do you guys have a... Does China have a, a national church? Like, don't they have a, some kind of recognized yeah. system? Yeah, so I can kind of explain that. Yeah. That's well, super one of my fascinating. Because one of the questions that I had yeah, was, um, when you come back and you see that we don't have that, we have like that, the, the tradition of separation of church and state. Like, mm-hmm. we don't want to have the two commingling together. Right. Because we left a tyrant. 
Like we left the understanding of what that meant when you put them together, the religious intolerance that does happen. Um, you know, England and the Catholic and Protestant wars that came about. Anyway, the the main question is like when you come back to the United States, do you see like in evangelicalism in particular in Christianity, like a, a desperation of power that some might want to have with a political force to just basically stay in power any compromises that you might see coming back i know prior to the show yeah. you mentioned some something to this effect of it yeah like coming back how does that how do you see that is that a good thing a bad thing what's the providence of god on top of that if anything yeah let me speak to this and then we can talk about the stuff in yeah, China yeah. too um i mean we talked about this before the show i i am worried about um i'm worried about the christian right I'm worried um, as someone who grew up really believing in, I mean, I, I studied government. I, th- I thought I was going to be president and take back my country for Jesus, you know. And, <laughs> and when I was 12, I was like, I'm going to outlaw makeup, you know, and like all this stuff. Anyway, yeah. yeah <laughs> this is why I'm never going to get elected. Although I still, have a, I still have a... Well, now we have it on audio. So yeah, right. I know. It's going to come back to haunt you. Actually, funny story about that. Um, I, I took a short job... Um, reading Chinese textbooks because they have the audio that goes with the textbooks. And for one of them, I read this like super communist Mao, like, like Marx, whatever thing. So somewhere in China, China is this textbook with my voice on it, reading about like how awesome Marx is and stuff like that. So anyway, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I was reading with another American and she's just like laughing at me like, ah, and the people in the studio are like, why are they laughing? Um, anyway, okay. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I am, I am, I am worried that, um, that parts of the Christian right have um, made compromises so that they can continue to have influence. Um, and I am, I am hopeful that, um, I am hopeful because I see many in my generation who are speaking out against that, Christians, that young Christians who say, um, we shouldn't compromise on this stuff. And um, and I believe that God will honor that. I think that when, see, uh, this is one thing we were talking about you know, all this stuff beforehand and what's happening in the country and stuff like that. But I really believe that when when God's people pray and listen to the Holy Spirit and obey Him and move, that God will change things through them. I really believe that. And I think that um, those things happen independent of like, well, whether or not that political connection happens or whether or not this happens. I think the God of the universe intervenes and stuff happens. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that our primary thing is not to make sure we make all those connections and we make sure it happens, but our primary thing is to be faithful to the Lord and let him be the one at work. Do you guys find so, it interesting that sometimes those things don't happen until it all falls apart? Yeah. It's until you have nothing else to rely on. Yeah. And, you know, I always think about, and, and we always say here, like our big thing here is revival starts with me. Yeah. If I want revival, it's got to it's gotta begin in my own heart. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm praying for it, asking for it, but if I'm not on fire for the Lord, as like you're saying, like we lose that passion in our comfort and in our affluence and in all of our conveniences and in our coffee shops and our churches and all these things that we enjoy, it kind of has the opportunity to steal away a lifestyle of faith and just abandon abandonment living for Christ. Um, and it's Christian culture is what we've what we've accommodated mm-hmm. in some ways, and that's where I'm. That's where I get concerned because. Yeah. I want to shake up that. I'm. I want to shake that up to the point of where we're about what the gospel's about. Yeah. And uh, and whether or not we have a comfortable chair is secondary. Yeah. And and the church gathers regardless. Yeah. You know, and I think that's something that a lot of Americans look at to the Chinese underground church, and we think, oh, that's how they're living. They're sharing, you know, they're passing around portions of scripture because they don't have an entire Bible, and yeah. and they did do that for a long time. And, yeah, and I think there's probably know. still parts of China like that, but that's not the most common experience there. Right, and thank yeah. the Lord, yeah. because that means yeah. pe- Bibles have gotten out, and, and I guess digital has been a yeah. huge influence now. I mean, yeah. you no, can't stop I mean, it. This is shocking to people, but if you are in China, you just go to the app store, you can download a Christian Bible. <laughs> That's on, awesome. On your in, phone. in in their in language. Chinese, yeah. 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 It's not like it's not like what people think. And actually the Chinese government has printed like more Bibles than I th- I think the Chinese government printed more Bibles than anybody else. Hmm. They have a Bible awesome. printing factory where do they, they do the same thing for the Quran? Uh, I don't know. 
Okay, and okay, <laughs> that's and, a great question. And, uh, yeah, no, I doubt and again, it. again, it's it's mixed motives in the sense I can explain some of this. Um, yeah, but but it's not quite the way that we see it from America often. Yeah. So, um, I'll start with a story that you, maybe you guys heard about that kind of describes this well. Um, so maybe you heard it was like a year or two ago, like Chinese government is blowing up churches. And like yeah, they had these I videos did. of like churches like being dynamited and then like stuff like that. Forcing and them out and all that. Yeah. yeah. And that was happening, but the full story behind that, there was more of a story. So what was actually happening was um Wenzhou, the city I mentioned earlier, um, super Christian a lot of the government leaders, a lot of the uh, business leaders that are all Christians there. And some government official from Beijing came through and was like, Whoa, there's a lot of crosses here because it's all the churches throughout the city. It's like, isn't this the kingdom of Mao? Why are there all these crosses here? Mm-hmm. And so a lower official was like, dude, all those crosses need to come down. So they went to all the churches, and they're like, hey, hey, just just take the cross down. You guys are totally cool. Just 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 take the cross off the top. Yeah. So most of the churches just let them do that, and they just took the cross off, and that was the end of that. But a bunch of churches were like, no. A cross is everything. You will not take the cross. We will cling to the cross, you know? Wow. And then... Um, the government was like, you guys need to leave. And then they're like, no. So then they came in like, to take it down, and they're like, no. And so then they're like, okay, we'll come in with the bulldozers. We're gonna, if you're going to defy us, we're going to take down the whole church. And then people are like sleeping in the streets. So right. when the bulldozers come, that they can't. And eventually like, special ops teams are coming in to like, remove these people out. And then, and like, then the no, bulldozers. The and then and in those cases, yeah, they did destroy the churches. So um, Well, let me ask you this. Like, I mean... Yeah. Is there so defying the government in that way? I mean, what if that moved to some sort of revolutionary place where then all of a sudden other churches stood up and then they couldn't stop it? Like, because I mean, if there are three hundred million believers or yeah. more in China and they unified, the government has to be afraid of that. Yeah. So okay. So I'm gonna sound super non-American here. Please, you're gonna yeah. probably think I went native. No, um, no, man, we're, I want to hear it. But I would say um, the Chinese government wants what's best for China. The Chinese government is pro-China, just like the U.S. government is pro-U.S. Yeah, and um, I think in America we like to think of the Chinese government as like, oh, communist, evil, like. We're just feeding themselves off their people, and the people all there want to just throw off the restraints and have democracy and freedom. Um, most Chinese people I talk to don't feel oppressed hmm. um, and don't think of themselves as oppressed. Now, there are oppressions happening, mm-hmm. um, but you know, here uh, you put your seatbelt on when you get in the car, right? Do you feel oppressed when you put your seatbelt on? Because when I'm in China, I don't have to put mine on, right? So Actually, I do. You do. I, okay. We were talking about this. I I hate I hate all the reg. I hate the fact that we need all these decals and we okay. stickers on our cars. And we, are you going to overthrow the government over that? Though? Well, okay. that's my point, though. No, is that- we would never do anything to ever overthrow the government. Yeah. We would never. Oh my gosh! I don't think you guys post this if I'm going going to make it back. But anyway, but well, so so what I'm what my point is the perspective on the Chinese government is not. It's not the same as there. And, yeah. and even in regards to communism, the Chinese government doesn't, uh, they identify as communist with Chinese characteristics, which basically means not really communist because they're super capitalistic. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, right? there's millionaires so, and yeah. billionaires now. Yeah, and, yeah. Be, and, and they've seen that once they opened the door under Deng Xiaoping, the economy just went crazy and they love that and it's been awesome for the country yeah so let me i'm getting here in a while let me explain kind of how christianity works in china real yeah, quick yeah. and how, how it relates to the government there is the um the foreigners church and that's what i'm a part of and the government basically leaves us alone we're allowed to meet they leave us alone um then there is the the underground church and they are technically illegal but the government generally leaves them alone unless they cause problems Unless they're like street evangelizing or protesting or doing something really, or or if they get too big, but generally if they're small, then the government's just like it's okay. And again, this varies throughout the whole country. I can't really speak 
right? Because right. like in some countries, a local gov- local official will be like super anti Christian, and then and there's a lot of repression, and other ones there's like freedom, like a ton of freedom. So yeah, really varies. Um, and then the third is the the under the the government church, which is called the Three Self Church, and this is because an early missionary to China said. Oh, we're going to establish the three self church. Should be self supporting, self propagating, and self governing. Um, so the gov- the government church took that and and said, yeah, that's what we believe too. Which they don't really believe because it's not self governing, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, but um, we'll, we'll just remove the one. It's a two and yeah. a half, two point <laughs> six uh, self church. Yeah. So so so, but I think a lot of Americans think, oh, the government church. They're basically just you know Mao worshippers. It's not true at all. There's a lot of genuine Christians in the underground, not in, in the three self-government church. Um, most of them are old. The three self-church is mostly older people. Um, but many of them love the Lord dearly and preach the word and follow hmm. him. Um, so, yeah. Um, but the government is, you know, if you're going to be a pastor in that church, you got to go to government seminary. You have to. Hmm. You can only sing songs from the hymnal that the government has looked over and approved. Um, you have to use the translation of the Bible that the government has approved. And again, that translation has everything in it, um, but the government just wants to check it first. Yeah. So there recently was a document that came out from from the, the Chinese government on their position on religion, and what they said in a lot of it was basically religion should serve the Communist Party. So that's their. That's their, yeah, that's their thought behind it. Yeah. But the people on the ground who are Christians who are working in that system, um, I think many of them really love the Lord, and it's so do, genuine. W- okay. So. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a cool. And th- the reason I brought that up is was yeah. when, when Cody was talking about communism in Russia, um, and I happen to have visited there as well, the, um, the, the Orthodox Church there was really a shell it, yeah. it was like you were like you, what you described the three self church that a lot of people think it is. Yeah, in the Orthodox Church in Russia was that. Yeah, I, I walked and in. Some parts of the three self church are like that too. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and there probably were yeah. congregations of the Orthodox that were very lively, depending on the priest that was leading it. He may have been genuinely saved or whatever. But right. for the most part, it was very. You know, I walked. I walked into a couple of them, uh, a couple of these Orthodox churches in Russia that had, had been. You know, they were basically museums. Yeah. But there were no pews, no Bibles, only icons hanging on the wall where they would um, go and meditate. They wouldn't even allow to verbally worship. Um, and there was nothing of Jesus, no cross, and all of that yeah. had been removed, you know, if it was there at all before. Um, so, in fact, the most famous, you know, I'm in Moscow in, in Red Square, St. Basil's Cathedral, right? Yeah. You've seen it. It's got the beautiful, yeah. you know, tulip tops or whatever they're called. You know, it's empty, and there's yeah. there's no gospel there. You wouldn't even know it's a, a church. It's called a cathedral. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, um, yeah, so that's why I was saying it was set up to be nothing. Yeah. And that's why they permitted it. But uh, it's cool to hear these things about the underground church and how people worship there and what God's doing and how yeah. the, the Word is still making its way through, and, and um, that's really exciting. And... I, I also do really love the idea of um, that what you're doing with the expats because that's a it's really a, a, a niche of ministry that could just really go un, untouched. Yeah. And it just shows you how God has his eye on every part of his body. He's concerned about every part of his body, and so he's going to raise someone up to reach a part of his body that may be neglected, you know, by and large or in a big way. And so I think it's a really valuable ministry that you're doing there. It's really cool. I do have a question for you though, because you have kids. Yeah. How old are you, how old are your children now? Four and two. Four and two. Two girls. Mm-hmm. And what's it like raising little kids in China? Like, I mean, they probably only know that more than America. Yeah, they do. Have they been to America yet? They're here now. They're here They're, now. Yeah, oh, they're yeah, here yeah. now. Okay. Yeah, and they were both born here too. Um, That's but right. Like a month afterwards, we went back. They, I mean, they're genuine TCKs, um, and their context again is some China, but mostly the foreign circles and experience, um, which I'm really excited for. My, you know, my kids' babysitters are like from Taiwan and Zimbabwe, and you know, <laughs> like and 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 we have our like um, 
our house help who like comes and, and speaks Chinese with them and and they love her and and she's like their aunt and and, I, and I'm I'm excited about all that. Do they speak Chinese? They do. Not amazing, but they speak. Yeah, they can. They can. They go to the playground. They can play speak Chinese with other little kids. That's so awesome. That's one, really one question. Um, you, did you make the decision to come back to the states to have your children, or yeah. how did that work itself out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. It was kind of um, wanted to be near my wife's family for the births and stuff like that. So, yeah, and you know, medical care there in the big cities has gotten to the point where it's pretty good, um, but it's still better here. So. And are you as? How does that work for you for medical? Just I'm, this is stupid. These are stupid little questions, That's but it's cool. just it's just things that pop. We in have my head. like a uh, uh, international insurance that covers everything. Oh, okay. Mm. So yeah, it's like a Christian thing. Oh, it is okay. Yeah. So you wouldn't be you wouldn't be just get taken care of because they have socialized health care. No, they don't have socialized health care. They don't. Yeah, more so misconceptions. They, yeah. Right so out. this is the thing. Yeah, it's like is like yeah, it is. China thought... is super super. Um, capitalistic and they are their economy is like so who who owns the hospitals then um many of them are run by the government okay um but they still cost they're cheap they're unbelievably cheap like the thing is there you go to the they have the foreign section and or the foreign hospitals there um yeah they're the foreign hospitals and like those hospitals have mostly american prices so you'll go in and you'll get like a cat scan and it's like what i don't know eight thousand dollars but if you go next door to the chinese one it'll be like 75 bucks or something like that it's unbelievable dude yeah that's crazy can you go to that one i can um would you want to uh maybe for some for minor stuff i totally would yeah for well although some of the uh, some i have some foreign doctor friends and they're like some of the techs aren't so good so they don't they don't know how to run the machines as well because they're still developing i mean this is what you have to realize about china this, the country basically hit a reset button in 1949 when the communists took over and the revolution, and then in the Cultural Revolution after that, another reset. So the, in so, the 80s, right? So, the Cultural Revolution, yeah. the 80s, like 89. So everything in the country yeah. is like 30 years Fair, old. Fairly new, yeah. Everything. Yeah. And it's grown at a breakneck speed, but it's, yeah. So, and they're hard workers. They are. They're hard they workers. Are. Chinese they're people work workers. hard. Yeah. They do. They, I mean, that's one thing about them. Yeah. They will work day and night. Yep. And that's a great ethic. Yeah, I was really impressed with just when I went there, just the size. They, they like big. They, <laughs> like, you know, like we think of Texas, like everything's big in Texas. You go there, uh, there was a building. It's like they're trying to outbuild each other. Yeah. The, 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 remember the bottle cap building or yep. what do you, yep. what'd you call it? The bottle opener? The bottle opener. Yeah. They built another one now. They, the second tallest building in the world. Is that the one that has like, it looks almost like Indian architecture almost, like, it look, it's like a temple? It's by an American company. It looks like a rolled up newspaper. Oh, is it that one? Is yeah. that a, how new is that one? Maybe two years old. Oh, okay. So I haven't yeah. seen it. the one that they were built. So I went up in the bottle yeah. opener, and that was twelve hundred feet or something. It was ridiculous. It's it was super 474 high. Four hundred and seventy four meters, I think. Yeah. So that's like meters. yeah. Like Me, yeah. Who does yeah. that? He does the rest of the world. I know. <laughs> third third <laughs> culture kids use meters, right? Yeah. But that I remember. Mean, yeah, we did. There's a race up the stairs. And oh, you so did that? How many I meters was that? Well, it's 480 meters, 100 stories. Oh, how many real feet, are, feet is that? Oh, uh, it's like, well, a meter's like three. Just joking. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's over 1,000 feet. <laughs> so me and, uh, me and my wife did it. My wife has done it twice. I did it once. Oh. But my wife took like first in the, in the women's division. So oh, like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> they, that's awesome. Yeah. She's a beast. She is a beast. In the best way. I'm not saying yeah. that. No, she is. <laughs> so for, according to Google... My, uh, I'm trying to use my smartphone because I'm, but the internet's really slow. I don't yeah, know what's going I'll on. I'll beat you to it on my little uh, Chinese yeah. phone. Chinese phone. Uh, that thing, man, get that thing out of my house, man. What are you doing? You're probably probably stole all my banking information already. Whatever. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's not even working. Is yours working? I'm on your Wi-Fi. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Feet, right? You want to do feet? Yeah, 400 meters to feet. What is that? While you're looking that up, I went up to the top of this. Four is 1,555 Oh, dude, I said 1,200. I was yeah. just off by 300 feet. That just sounds like a greater statistic. Yeah. Dude, uh, when we were up there, there's a glass floor on the, on part of the, uh, on the part at the top. And they drive, they put cars up 
at the top, there's like a showroom. It was, cr- it is engineering feats. It's unreal. Yeah. And we were looking out. I felt like I was flying in like a little Cessna and I could see across the plains of, of Shanghai and you could see the, you could see the soccer stadium and I guess they did, um, Olympic stuff there or something or, or so. it was really cool looking. And, um, one, one question, cause we're talking about going up high, um, <laughs> <laughs> The, um, in, a no. whole, in a holy way. No, like the upward mobility of a, a regular Chinese person. Like, mm-hmm. are they able to climb a ladder like you would in our success paradigm? So, here? yes. So, so this is the great. So, I used to teach English mm-hmm. at a fairly famous Chinese university. Um, and the situation where I taught was um, Chinese professors who were doing post grad, postdoc work. In mostly in America, some in Europe or Australia. So they're all super accomplished. Um, cars are super expensive in China. So they like, they all had cars. They're, they're like, you know, top of Chinese society. And I asked many of them about their, their background. And many of them had been like, their parents were like sustenance farmers. Mm. And, and they just like pooled everything together to send this one kid to school. Wow. And now they're like, you know. And many of them, after they go and study, they become like U.S. citizens and stuff like that. Yeah. Bring their families so, over. So, yeah. It's like, and, and many of the kids in our youth group, they are Chinese heritage, but they have like U.S. citizenship or whatever. And many of them, their parents were like super poor. And now they're like, you know, it's just the upper mobility right now in China is unbelievable because the whole country is just, yeah, I remember during 2008, during the recession we had here. China was super like the U.S. I don't know what our growth rate is. It's like two percent yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, about two. And, and China was now. all mad during the recession because they're like it dropped below ten percent. Our growth rate dropped, <laughs> which if we had ten percent of the states, we'd be like, ah, hang on, everybody, we don't know how this is gonna end oh, so we'd, fast. Yeah. We'd be buying everything you could <laughs> yeah. imagine. Yeah. But their growth rate is just unbelievable. Yeah. So with so. your one of the questions I would have is like, since you're raising up, I guess the next generation. Of those students and uh, the third cu- third culture kids, third culture kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a band. It sounds right? like a disease. Third. Should be a band. Um, <laughs> Rosie's shaking his head in approval. Yeah, I got it. Um, yeah, but like, how do you like? You see your kids go back into the culture, but it's kind of like a. Is it a separate culture that they're gonna experience, or are, do they have the chance to go into the Chinese life and experience that? Mm. Or are they always going to be in a paradigm of just third that culture? foreigner. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Like, have yeah. you seen anyone leave your youth group but remain in China and then become one of the, maybe a pastor or somebody? Oh, in China? Well, see, all my kids are foreigners, so they're all from other countries. Yeah, but do you but have anyone that leaves your group and goes... And stays in China? And stays in China or has, like, a passion to go to the underground? Uh, well, if I did, I wouldn't say it here. <laughs> but... um. But no. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah, yeah. Most are Wink. like yeah, are headed back to their home countries yeah. or whatever like that. Um, but it is pretty exciting because, um, you know, I have like kids in my youth group that I mentored who are now like lawyers in Australia, and um, I don't know one one guy who's the who's the guy. Um, he's the bishop of. Bishop of Baghdad. Have you heard of this guy? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, he was name? actually... Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was at PhD or whatever a while back. Yeah. But one of my students is like working for him now. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. And so there's like... Because he's an Anglican priest and, and one of my students was from England and so they met up. And Anyway, but yeah, so like my kids are graduating going all over the world. Wow. Which makes it really sad because I, I think most youth pastors get to see their kids more often than I do. <laughs> Me, it's like, oh, you graduated. See you. Goodbye. <laughs> in the new heaven and the new earth. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep yeah. in touch on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. that does help, man. I mean, when I visited, I'm, I'm, I'm. There's probably a half dozen that I'm still interact with on Facebook. That's amazing. Yeah, and they've just, uh, you know, it was just a really God moment. That, I mean, that camp was amazing. Yeah. It's still in, in my top three, you know, moments in ministry. But, but uh, what's amazing is it does it. It shrinks our world down, and they have such a common bond. Yeah. That third culture thing is really a, it's a, it's a it's much more real than than people understand. If you just have to imagine yourself being raised being from here but being raised in another country, I don't think you can 
It's hard to imagine. No, it's yeah. like it's uh, impossible. Okay, it, it feels. Here's a good example. You tell me if this is right. It feels like you got dropped in the middle of the desert, and you're walking around for three days, and then you find another human being. <laughs> like, and that's the connection that you're like, oh, Do oh are you looking for water too? Oh, or, yeah, aren't you thirsty? Yeah, like, yeah. you're well, like, Stephen oh, would kill him. Oh, He'd oh, be oh, like, yeah. Do I have to kill this guy and get his <laughs> water? Also looking for meat. <laughs> that's right. And it doesn't matter. If you have black, food, right? White, you know, it doesn't matter wh- what they are. That's a good sh- point. They're sharing that yeah. survival experience with you. Yeah. And it's I was going to say, like, it, it, yeah. it is really weird. Like, for me, I always kind of. Like, it, it, it gave me issues when I moved back here, and I realized, like, oh, these people that I'm going to high school with, I'm expected to know them for longer than three years. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, when we moved, we would move to wherever we were in Asia, and everyone else that was in the same boat understood that I'm probably, and this was in the 90s, so we didn't even have, like, I don't, I'm not in touch with anyone other than other Americans yeah. that lived there that were expats through the same reason. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we didn't have Facebook or anything like back then. But when you move there, you understand, okay, these are my friends. We're all going to be here from one to three years, depending yeah. on what time the staggered tours are. And so we have to, we have to become friends now. Very quickly. Yes. We have to become best friends now. <laughs> and then this is all with the understanding that I will never see these people again, ever. Yeah. Or it was, at least back then. Like, I know I'm not going to yeah. run into any of these people in Southeast Asia where I, you know. I think the only thing close to that that you might get in the United States would be, like, military families. Yeah. yeah. You're deployed and you go four years at a place and then you go to another base yeah. and, you know, so your family has to make new friends every four years. Yeah. You know? I made new friends every three years. But that yeah. got a lot of transfers in the United States. Yeah. I, I can agree with that. Like, yeah. it was very hard to yeah. maintain relationships because you were expected to move in every three years. Different demographics. Everybody spoke right. the same language, and we all shared commonality of culture. But it definitely was hard. I think remember yeah. when we moved around in Ohio, Amish, for the first time I actually <laughs> experienced, like, what an Amish person was. It was, uh, it was very interesting. Yeah. So Amish, one thing real quick to tie into this is, you know, scripture talks about us living as strangers and aliens on this planet. Yeah, man. And I feel like my experience living as a foreigner, um, I understand that on a whole new level and that there is some, like truth is it, we got to be okay without, with not always being understood. We got to be willing to make these relationships really quickly and to dive in and invest in people, even if you're going to say goodbye um, because we're strangers and we're foreigners here and we're waiting for our home country and we're away from our home country and we're looking forward to to the place that we belong. So, mm. yeah. That, that's great. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that when you were talking about it. Like if, I think the third culture kid should is actually could be equated to what Christians should be living like. Yeah. We're not here. We're not, we're not destined for here. We're not from here. Mm-hmm. We're going to a place. We have a place that we actually don't even fit into yet because we're not even fashioned for it yet. But we'll be there, and we'll get there. You know, that's cool. Man, well, this has been awesome talk, Kenny. And I I tell you, man, I'm excited about the work you're doing over there. And, um, and I know that you guys are supported. And so if, you know, I don't know how to do this without giving away location and important they information. They contact you. Why don't they contact? Yeah, if you want to <laughs> help support... Kenny and his family and what they're the work that they're doing over in China you can just connect through the All Out War podcast and we, we have all that um, information on our website and through the podcast and so you can do that and uh, and I just want to encourage anyone out there to just pray for China and pray for the our brothers and sisters in the underground church and for those that are working with the foreigners and uh, just the, the church here in America as well that we will be uh, that unit that is going to use the blessings that God's given us to to send forth and to help equip and to prepare uh, and to reach the lost, ultimately to reach the lost. That's the goal. But uh, man, it's been awesome, Kenny. And uh, yeah, and uh, maybe maybe we I can get out to China again and visit you guys, and we can do something. Maybe we'll do we'll do an on location podcast, and we'll bring it back, and we'll 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 broadcast it here. But that would be cool. That would be awesome. Maybe we can dream big, man. Let's do it. Anyways, hey man, thanks so much. Appreciate you. 
and uh, we're praying for you. Rosie, another good episode, man. Uh, yeah, I, I was saluting. You were saluting. I saw something going on there. Cody, hey, good man. Stuff. Thanks for your insight and your questions, man. All right, everybody, God bless. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us or you can find us on Twitter at AllOutWarCast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.